What are you waiting for? Welcome to This Is Not A Dress Rehearsal Podcast. Stop holding your breath, waiting for perfect conditions before you move through the world. Tune in for real stories of real people who understand the freedom to live well. Your host, Bonnie Sewell, is a veteran wealth manager with 12 grandchildren, helping clients over the last 30 years enjoy their wealth. You can listen to all podcasts at www.americancapitalplanning.com slash podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Denise Dorfman is an intuitive energy healer. She is an author and speaker. Denise holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in business administration. Her passion for health, and wellness comes from her personal journey of overcoming lupus. Denise was diagnosed with lupus in 1996 and empowered herself with the decision to simply change her thoughts and lifestyle. Six years later, her rheumatologist confirmed she has no active disease. She now lives a happy, healthy life in the D.C. area, serving clients with intuitive energy healing sessions and coaching them with positive thinking techniques, including tips for creating a healthier and happier mindset toward life. Welcome, Denise. Happy to be here. I'm so glad you joined us. And one of the whys for this podcast is that we think sharing our real stories, we learn from each other and we get to know each other and we bridge that distance, which can be difficult these days, between each other. What story can you share with our listeners about how you know that this, this day, this life is not a dress rehearsal? Well, I believe we are here to learn for our own evolution. I believe we come here with very detailed plans about what we want to accomplish in this lifetime. One of my lessons is not to have specific expectations. I have many stories to share around this. One story I have involves how I met my late husband. At the time I was engaged to someone else and I belonged to a gym. I met a man there, and I recall that he seemed quite interested in me. So here's the thing. I had no specific expectations around this new relationship. We became closer, and the next thing I know, we fell in love, and he asked me to marry him. And what he said he loved the most about me was that I had no hang-ups, no specific expectations So we ended up getting married and we're together for 25 years and we always felt so comfortable around each other. So my saying is don't have specific expectations, you'll never be disappointed. Interesting. Okay, so walk us through your experience with lupus and how you came to be healthy today. So I was diagnosed with lupus at 30 years old and diagnosis of lupus is an autoimmune disease it's quite unpredictable. People often feel sick and tired all of the time. They feel a malaise. They have severe joint pain. And their lab results are usually off. And that's what happened to me. I woke up one morning. It was hard to move my fingers. And I went to my GP. And she ran tests. And she said, your white blood count is low your platelet count is low, your red blood count is low, this is really serious. So she thought it was rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, and it took her several months of continued testing to 
to settle on lupus. And I was very lucky because usually it can take years before somebody finds out that it's lupus. So I ended up in the hospital and later on, not too much later, I, I had studied Louise Hay, who was a self-help person who believed in affirmations and, and that illness could have a mental or emotional cause. And I discovered that at least in my case, that the mental cause of lupus is a fear of standing up for yourself, uh, better to die than to stand up for yourself. So I started to play subliminal tapes. There was one wonderful one called 101 Power Thoughts for Life. And one of the thoughts was, it is easy to stand up for myself. So I sort of got into my self-conscious, subconscious. I played it at night before I went to bed. Because I could never do that before. Mm. You know, I was kind of walked on at work. And people took advantage of me. And, but then I found myself standing up for myself at work and at home. I started a daily practice of meditation. And then I felt well enough to join a gym. I worked out with a trainer. I changed my diet. And I also discovered Reiki, which is a form of energy healing that involves hand-on work where you transfer energy from source to whoever you're working on. And I worked on myself for a while. Uh, you can do Reiki on yourself. And then before long, my doctor told me I had no active disease and hadn't for a long time. So I've been healthy ever since. I've had no symptoms. So changing the belief was the key to wellness. And I can only say that that's what's worked for me. Sure. I'm not saying that everybody... Do I understand. Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting that you've adopted certain habits to change mindset and keep mindset healthy. Myself, I adopted transcendental meditation when I was 16 years old. So that's uh, decades ago. I, I practice it and it has helped me through many situations and it came into my life at a particularly rough point. I've never been to an ashram or or practiced in the deepest way that others do, but I didn't need it for that. I needed it for daily quiet of my mind and for settling things. Something else you brought up that I want to ask just a little bit more about, because mindset can be so important for everything. Even if you watch sports and you watch Michael Jordan, the mindset is fascinating. In the, in the series, The Last Dance, you see mindset is almost everything in addition to obviously some skill. But coming back to what you were talking about with illness, so your doctor says you're not active anymore. Does lupus ever leave? Is it important for you to keep your mindset clean and healthy so that it doesn't come back? Or how does it work? As far as I know, at least for me, it, it did not leave my body. Sure. I've always had like this positive ANA test and, mm -hmm. and rheumatologists say it's always positive. So uh, once you, but it doesn't mean much if you're doing really well. Sure. There's so much they don't know about lupus. Okay. To me, I think it's very important to maintain the mindset, maintain the, the lifestyle, you know, do what works. Sure. You know? So tell me about some of the detours or setbacks that you've experienced during your career. Well, yeah, certainly when I was self-employed, I wish I had a closer eye on how much things cost. For example, I was, I leased a space that was just too much it was like eight hours and it was just too much space more than i needed and i ended up spending a lot of money on that and i signed up for a six-month lease and 
And, you know, it's just a rookie mistake. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You just be in the beginning and I was just beginning. So I did not have the client base to pay for it. Sure. It's interesting because you mentioned the word rookie, right? And if we take that back to sports, rookies are generally mentored or sponsored by somebody else on the team. They bring them up to speed, keep them on track. And I feel like for women in particular, but pretty much anybody going into business for themselves, without a mentor or a sponsor, you're going to make those mistakes. They are going to be expensive. There actually are resources in most communities here in the Northern Virginia area. We have many, SCORE, uh, your small business association, there's any number of them. So you need to find out about those, right? Because I made mistakes the same in my, this is my third business, my second registered investment advisory firm. I'm smarter now than I used to be. You made the mistakes. Everyone I know makes those, but they are avoidable. So mm-hmm. I think that one of the lessons there is to, you know, not go into the wild unassisted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you provide a 20 minute assessment session virtually. So what do you notice when you go through those sessions about the people that you're working with and that are are seeking help. In other words, if you think about the issues a client is facing, what are you looking for? Yeah, what I look for are the strongest limiting beliefs that are in their subconscious at the time. And these beliefs, to me, are at the root of their illness, pain, financial issues, relationship problems. And they're formed usually between the ages of four and seven. So what I do is I step into people's energy field with their permission and give them a reading in this free session. And it gives the client more clarity. And even discussing it for a few minutes can help help it lose some of its power and, and people get clear on where that came from. And how are your clients navigating the disruption in their lives as we're talking during the time of pandemic? Well, it's a mixed bag. You know, some are relieved not to have to go to a job they realized they hated. So they're like, oh my goodness, I've got the freedom to to go out and do whatever. I can do whatever I, I want at this point. And now some have some people, their spouses have lost their jobs. Yeah. So they have reduced income. So then they have this the stress of that, and then they have the burden being the breadwinner for the family. And then there's of course they realize they're living with somebody they don't like because they're with them all the time now. Sure. When before they were going to work or they were going out or the spouse was going to work and they realize, oh my gosh, I've got a relationship or a life that I don't even like. Mm-hmm. So We are seeing the exact same thing. We're seeing shifting priorities. We're seeing families who will not stay together because of realizations made during this time. And we're seeing some marriages stronger than ever because people are truly maximizing and enjoying the time together. So it's fascinating to, to hear you confirm that. You and I met at the Sterling Women Luncheon. And for people who don't know that local event, that's a business women's luncheon. However, we have some smart guys who attend as well. But it's a luxury because you got to get there. It's two hours front to back. And then you got to get back to your your day. For the, the way the event actually works is you do a little shopping in the in-person version. They have a one-hour virtual version the day after our in-person one now. But this is run by Cindy Bettino locally. She's one of our podcast guests. And it used to be run by Christina Bueri, another of our podcast guests. So this is a 10-year-old plus business women's luncheon. And after there's a little shopping at the beginning, we all enjoy lunch together. And then there's a speaker usually talking to us about some business or business topic. And then at the end of all that, we have these fabulous 
Door prizes, door prizes yes, which yes. sometimes include a blue box, if you're familiar with, with Tiffany. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a really fun thing, but it's a real luxury to, to take that kind of time. So I'm curious what your perspective is, because that's where I met you. And so obviously the two of us made that decision that day. Why is it important for a business person to make time for those kinds of events? Well, I think it's what you're getting out of the time you're spending. To me, you connect with people. You get out of the house, you get your name out there, and I've actually gotten business from Sterling Women, or you get a referral from someone else, or you can team up with other wellness people, at least that's what I did. So uh, certainly meeting people can lead to new clients, or it can lead to making your business better. Yeah, and I would say that the outcomes truly reflect what a lot of guys have enjoyed in the past. So it's it's wonderful to have that together. And I'm, cl- I'm glad we met there. Your, <laughs> your company offers private sessions, you offer group sessions, and you offer workshops. So tell me about each of those and what someone can expect to experience when they take a private session, a group session, or attend one of your workshops. So when someone comes to me for a private session, I will, again, tune into their etheric body and determine where the limiting beliefs are and when they started. And I also tell them what type of block it is. We then discuss the story behind the belief. And and then with their permission, I then clear it with intentional statements. So these statements, along with the energy I'm sending them, are very powerful and they remove limiting belief. Now, in a group session, the energy is higher because of the collective consciousness of the individuals who are present. And I tune into the group energy and simply clear what's coming up through, again, intentional statements. And clients in both types of sessions often feel lighter afterwards, like a burden has been lifted from their shoulders. And of course, that's exactly what's happened. The the belief, the block has been lifted. In the workshops, I'm not offering them right now uh, because of the pandemic, but it's just teaching them to do what I do, teaching people how to do energy healing, intuitive energy healing, and remove blocks. And so I would imagine that the group sessions are particularly challenging in your role because you've got to manage the group and do your work. So do you ever find a situation, because I imagine those groups are put together somewhat randomly, right? I can sign up for a group session, so can someone I don't know and not related to, et cetera, correct? Is that right? The group is pretty random when it comes together. So when you've got that and you're doing your work, do you ever find that there's sometimes a personality in that group that is an impediment to getting the work done? Does that ever happen? You know, I'm I'm lucky. That that hasn't really happened. Oh, good. But I think what I do is I set the expectation at first. It's like I tell people, okay, now is your time to receive. You know, just close your eyes, relax. I'll play the music. I'll send energy and then I'll start. So the thing is, the music's playing, I'm talking, people don't really have a chance to complain. Sure. Okay. Good, <laughs> good to know. Because it's such a feel good yeah. session. Yeah. So. And, and you mentioned the workshops are on hold during COVID. Are the group sessions a situation where people can arrive safely and then and take in yes. that session? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I'm doing them virtually as well okay. so through Zoom. So. Perfect. Now you're also an author and you speak. Why are these two skills, writing and speaking, so critical to your business success or anyone's business success? Well, I think, it, you know, it's about communication. And if you can speak and write, you communicate it effectively. You can speak your truth in a more empowering way. 
And if you're clear, I think in your speaking and writing, it enhances the, the know, like, and trust factor with whoever is receiving the message. And I think you connect better with someone when you communicate much better. So it's tough writing a book. I've written one, you've written one. Tell me about your writing process and how did you manage to, because everyone says I've got a book in me and they may even write a few words down, but they never get the book done. How'd you get yours done? I got mine done because I just scheduled an hour. And I was advised by another author, just start writing. So I find that once I get going, I'm fine. I'll just keep going. Sure. And what I did was schedule an hour every single day. My husband was sick at the time. I was working from home at the time in a corporate job, but I carved out an hour and I said to my husband, don't bother me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I just wrote, you know, for an hour and I would also bring a journal with me everywhere I went. So if I had an idea, I would just jot it down and then incorporate it later. So I think a journal is a, a wonderful idea. And did you type yours or speak yours? Okay, yeah. because when I was writing my book, I used a tool called Dragon. So that's a, a transcript service, right? So you're speaking your book. So I just bring that up because I know my handwriting is completely illegible. You know, it's a, a really good thing if you've got the book in you and you're loathe to sit down to either type or write because your thoughts get ahead of your ability to put it down. Know that there are tools out there today that where you can actually talk your book and then then those transcripts can be edited. And then you also speak. So what are your favorite venues for speaking? What do you like to speak about and where do you speak? Yeah, I like holistic wellness venues or spiritual venues. For example, I spoke at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in Falls Church last Sunday. I think I just relax more when I'm when I'm with more like-minded people. Makes and sense. It's just my and my topic is more relevant to them. That makes sense. Before we leave your work for a few minutes, what do you love about it, and then what do you also find most challenging? Well, I love how I can help people in very profound ways. I've always been a helper. I was in financial customer service for a long time, and so I enjoy being able to help them in a very meaningful way, and it's wonderful to hear feedback from people. But what's challenging are the people who take the complimentary session, and then they move around and think they can do it themselves, they think they can help themselves, so they do self-help books, they do more free sessions, and then I catch up with them later somehow, and they haven't gotten very far or they haven't really changed much. And I could have helped them save time and energy. And they're like a year into their lives and they're still repeating the same patterns. They're still on that treadmill. So, and I can recognize that, you know, sometimes people aren't ready Mm -hmm. to heal their past, but either way, you know, I, I, hope they get the help they need, whether it's from me or from someone else. Well, I think that's a really important point. And it ties back to something you said earlier on about knowing your worth. So I know your main passion is that they get the help they need, whether it's from you or someone else. But you noted that some people try to sort of take the free stuff as a, and maybe they can't pay, right? So you and I probably both do some amount of pro bono work. We have people vetted. They truly can't pay. We help with them anyway. But we're really talking here about people people who don't want to spend the money. They don't understand the value. And so the the challenge there is, uh, you know, in work like what you're doing, and it's true for us too, 
it's not likely to produce a valuable outcome if you don't pay for the expertise of the service provider. And this is a particular issue with women as the consumer, mm-hmm. always looking for a discount, we're always looking for a deal, we're always looking for a freebie. And that's a real impediment sometimes to getting good service. And then there's this other weird thing that I don't have a professional name for, but I'm sure someone listening does. And that's the expectation that if I'm buying it from a woman, she'll give me a discount. But knowing your worth, you know, I've got 30 years in, you've got that much time. I mean, once you know your worth, you're not going to give away your time anymore to someone who can and probably should pay for services so they get the help they need. Right, right. So switching gears. Do you have people who come to see you because money is the source of their stress? Oh, yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people come to me with with money issues. It just seems to be common or pervasive. So I had one person come to me with money issues. And 10 minutes after our session, she gets an email with an opportunity, (laughs) a really fabulous opportunity to work with a clinic that she'd always wanted to work with. And... It happened with someone else. So a few minutes after the session, they get an email from someone they always, from uh, someone, a colleague, a mentor that they always wanted to hear from. And, mm-hmm. and she got their personal contact information. She'd always wanted that. So really more, it, it's more about opportunity for me than money. And I think people get into a lack mentality. Yes, it's lack of money, but it's also lack of opportunity. So I think that's really interesting because we see that in our work too. And certainly mindset can be a real impediment when it comes to getting to your money issues and resolving them. But I will say that there's also this idea out in the in the universe that says if I if I ask the universe for it, it'll come, which I think is there's a missing piece there. So you and I both work really hard and we know as business people that you also, in addition to clearing your mindset and getting it in the right place, you got to do the work, right? There isn't a substitute for actually laying the groundwork. And one of the things that women in particular sometimes believe, which isn't true, is that if I just wish for it and I work a little bit, it'll come, but that's not how it works. It's, I think of it as extreme work. Someone else might not find it so extreme, but the point is, you know, the laying down the tracks for successful income to come in as a business person is one at a minimum, two is more likely, three is even more likely, three years before you've got income coming in to pay those bills. And that's why you mentioned too at the beginning, having that sponsor or mentor that teaches you not to blow all your own money at the beginning, (laughs) which is very, very common mistake. It's just one of those solvable things that we hate to see. We see it all the time. Right. So we think many, if not most, conversations eventually lead back to money and its impact, whether that's good or bad on the topic at hand. When did you first become aware of money and what do you wish you'd been taught about money as you were growing up? Well, that this whole there's not enough to go around, that lack is is really an illusion because this idea that I get a smaller piece of pie or I, I don't get a piece of the pie, somebody else gets my piece of the pie. It, it, I grew up with parents who lived through the Great Depression. So even though they were affluent during the Depression, their their parents, their fathers, my grandfathers always had jobs, and they never were in the bread line or the coffee line. or They still adopted this lack mindset and never enough, and, and they felt, well, they, I can't spend any money. So I wish that they had the tools to work through it 
and realizes that was just perception. It was just a belief they had. Yeah, I think people learn what they live, especially around money. And it's so interesting in terms of your parents' experience. I grew up in a very wealthy community, but we were a single parent home and we were broke. And so it's contextual, right? You know, we had two meals most days three meals some days, and we had a roof over our head. We had a car. I'm married to someone who grew up with no car in the family, a single family home. So you just understand your own context. Today, of course, we're aware of my experience being broke in America, stunk, but was nothing compared to some people of color and other white people, perhaps in Appalachia, wherever, or in an inner city who had even less, right? So it's interesting the things, and of course the work we do today is a, comes from my experience as a young person, my desire to change the outcomes for others. Same thing for you, right? You have right. an illness, you find a way out, now you're sharing that with the world. And I just think it's really important to take a look at that for everybody and understand where those beliefs come from. So I have appreciated our conversation today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? What I'd like to add is, you know, you, it's really a matter of perception and mindset you can have very little and be grateful for what you have and feel rich, or you can have a lot and still feel lack. So it's really about perception and, of course, working hard. Good words to end on. Thank you, Denise, for your time, your insights, and your wisdom. We wish you continued great health, happiness, and success. If you'd like to learn more about Denise, her work, or even pick up her book, go to her website at denisedorfman.com. That's D-E-N-I-S-E-D-O-R-F like Frank, M-A-N.com. Thanks, Denise. Thank you very much. This podcast and any related material is provided for general information and entertainment purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, investment, or other professional advice. For professional advice in any realm, contact the appropriate professional. We assume no representation or warranty, express or implied, for accuracy or completeness of content. We assume no responsibility for information contained in the podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Links to external websites are provided solely for your convenience. We accept no responsibility for any linked sites or their contents. Use of this podcast and its content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.